Well, thank you for being out tonight. It's good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. And I am very much excited to... I'm getting my timer set. Because if I don't set a timer on myself, I'll go all night long. Because I'm excited about what God has to say to us. And uh, if this is your first time with us, with regard to Chase the Lion series, you need to, please, I beg you, go back and listen to the preceding ones. You can get them on the website. I can run through a summary. I will touch on high points, but there is no way for you to get everything that is involved within this series if you don't go back and listen. And uh, if you're wondering why a pair of my suit pants are hanging off of the, uh, uh, of the trough there on the, in, the, in the stage, I'll tell you about those a little bit later. Um, there's all kinds of things that you really want to go back and listen. Um, and I will give you a little hint. The first one, you want to not just listen, you want to go back and watch it. All right? Just saying. There are some things better watched than just listened to. And um, we are in the midst of a series, and I want to emphasize again, every single time that I speak to you, I'm going to, to emphasize this to you, because I am a Bible teacher. Anybody here is probably not surprised by that. I'm a Bible teacher, which means that when I teach to you, I teach very, very carefully and I teach to you what the Word says. I care about context. I care about the context around it. I care about the book. I care about the history. I care about the time. I am precise. I am careful. But as a pastor, there are times that God calls upon you to step beyond that, not in conflict with that, but beyond that and to cast vision. And... Um, I don't like preaching those sermons. Now, you all, in fact, I told my wife, I said, I'm aggravated by this. You all are flat out enjoying the series. I can tell because some of you are coming to church when you normally don't. <laughs> Notice I didn't stare at anybody. But some of you are here, and you're normally not here on, on Sunday nights. And so you're enjoying this series, and, and I'm like, man, this is not cool. They're enjoying that which is, which is the least tied down within the biblical text. So I need you to understand something, that we are using the story of Benaiah and his uh, extraordinary feat of chasing a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killing it as a narrative and a theme and a metaphor. And it's very important for that. Because in the life of a church, a pastor does need to, and leadership does need to cast vision and hear from God, and God does speak to individuals. He speaks to individuals and from there gives direction to his people as a whole. You'll notice that history was completely transformed and changed by speaking to one man. His name was Abram. And from there, an entire people were led into a new direction. I am not Abram. That's not my point. But my point is, is that God does speak to individuals. And from that voice of the individual then begins to lead others as they also hear the voice of God through that prophetic man, woman, speaking for God word. And so as a pastor, it's important. If you are pastoring people, you've got to hear from God. We cannot go through the motions. We cannot simply do what we know to do. We must be led by the Spirit of God. And so as I told you, this is a first for me. I've never had a sermon series. I've never had a sermon sit and percolate in me basically six months. Because back in September of 2016, the Lord began to lay this on my heart. And uh, if you want to hear the full story of that, go and listen to the first session. And... Um, and it has been percolating in me, and God has been using it so that Newark United Pentecostal Church can understand where God wants us to be. 
And so even though we spent last Sunday night a lot of time in details, in historical context, establishing that Benaiah becoming commander-in-chief of the armies of Israel, and even before that becoming commander of David's bodyguards, of his secret service that protected him in particular, that is not where it started. It started with a choice alone to chase a lion into a pit on a snowy day. And, um, but I'm not here to show you how to chase lions. I'm not here to really talk to you about a pit, even though tonight we're going to talk about the pit of no return. But rather we have here a narrative and a theme and a metaphor that is meant to have application into our lives today. Let me say again, as I will say every one of these, if your life and his vision for it does not scare you, then it is what? Oh, I've got to repeat it some more because it's not burned into your head. If your life and his vision for it is not scaring you, then it is too small. Put differently, God has such big plans for you that unless he rescues you, unless he adds himself to the picture, unless he becomes a part of the ingredients, unless he rescues you, the plans that came from him, will eat you alive, literally. You will fail. You will fall short. They will destroy you. God is looking for disciples that don't just follow him, but follow him into places, take actions, and challenge circumstances that absolutely require his involvement or they will be destroyed. God is looking for human beings who will change the world around them. But we have to remember something, that the lions that we are to chase, and again, we're not literally talking about the furry big cats with big teeth, but the lions that we chase, the places, the actions, and the circumstances, the lions that we chase are always, if they are from God, if we are to Go after them. The lions that we chase are always beyond our abilities. If they're within your ability, you may have to take care of it. It's within my ability to brush my teeth. It's not a lion. I don't need a pit. I can take care of it. There are plenty of things in life that God understands that you can handle. God understands that you are capable of dealing with them. And one of the things that Christians have trouble with is we are looking to be hyper-spiritual. It's just what we are. Once we turn from the evil, once we turn towards God, then we want to become hyper-spiritual. And so everything turns into a spiritual pursuit. I got news for you. Not everything is a lion. Not everything is a lion. Brushing my teeth is not a lion. i got to break news to you. There are times that my wife and I have fights, and it's because we are in the midst of a battle with the evil one, and he's trying to cause confusion in my home. But there are other times that we have fights because she's irritating or I'm irritating, period. Devil's not involved. I'm exhausted. I thank my mother-in-law this morning. I'll give you something funny. I thank my mother-in-law this morning because it comes from her. I've heard it on good sources. It comes from her. Last night, my wife was fighting spies in Cuba. I'm sound asleep in my bed, and here she comes alive, unawake. The pillow's flying. The watch is flying off. She's yelling at the top of her lungs. And I said, Regina, what are you doing? Now, you understand, my wife talks all the time at night. 
my son Vincent, who traveled with us in Cuba, he said, Dad, why don't you just ignore her? So one night I did that. I just ignored her. She kept talking. She kept insisting that I respond. She kept insisting that I participate. She's out of her head. She has no idea what she's saying. She has no idea what she's doing, which I don't know why, but it irritates the dickens out of me. Well, last night, I couldn't ignore it. Pillows are flying. Watches are going everywhere, and she's yelling at the top of her lungs. I said, Regina, what are you doing? I'm trying to go to sleep. I got a good sermon to preach the next day. What are you doing? Finally, she says, I'm fighting spies. I said, fighting spies where? In Cuba. Now, I got to break some news to you. I'm a little irritated with my wife about that. I was sleeping. Keep your spy fighting in Cuba to your own dreams. Don't turn them into 3D extravaganzas. My wife and I will work through these issues. This is not a lion. God doesn't have to speak to me in prayer. He doesn't have to give me any direction. Regina and I have the capacity to figure this out. Caleb, you're losing your room tonight. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> there are human things that God expects you to step into and deal with. Lions are always that which is beyond our ability. Now, you may need to be really honest with yourself because sometimes we overassess our abilities. So you think you can handle it. Well, let me tell you how that will work out. The lions will bite you. Then you'll find out you're beyond your ability. Okay? You'll wake up real quick. But lions are always beyond our abilities. And lions are those places, those actions, and those circumstances that God is calling his disciples to be willing to go after that they are threats to the fulfillment of God's vision for our lives. They may be a threat because they're causing you to not do what you need to do, or they may be threats because they are challenges that must be overcome. I didn't use this example uh, last uh, Sunday night or any of the previous sermons, but I, you know, when my father walked into uh, Newcastle County building uh, Code's place, and he, he sits down, and the gentleman's there. He's got a cigar chomped into the corner of his mouth. He looks like a hard nut, and my dad is sitting there with some hand-drawn drawings from my uncle, who's a good drawer, a good, good uh, draftsman, but at the same time, they are not sealed, and he's sitting there, and he's praying, God, please give me anybody but that man, and then his ticket comes up, and that's the man, and he sits down, and he looks at him, and he says, Reverend, what are you trying to do? And my father told him what he was trying to do. I promise you that that was a lion. Because as smart as dad is and as much capability as he has, he did not have the means to meet the challenge. And God gave him favor. God helped him slay the lion. He had to show up. Lions don't get slain from a distance. Okay? But they are the actions. They are the places. They are the circumstances that threaten the fulfillment of God's vision for our lives. If you are following God's direction in your life, you will face lions. If you are following his vision for your life, you will face lions. And lions are always beyond your ability. But that's what sets up the scenario for God to rescue you. As David said, when I went after the lion who stole the sheep, or I went after the bear who stole the sheep, and if they turned on me, I grabbed them by the jaw and I beat them with a club, that sets up the scenario the craziness of you being willing to believe in God's vision for you 
is what sets up the scenario for God to be able to then rescue you. And past experiences will lead you to do even crazier things, like stand up before an entire army and say, let me go take care of the giant because I know God will rescue me again. This is not only true individually, but it is also true corporately. As a part of the body of Christ, as a local assembly in which God is working through us, God has plans for this church, and they're bigger than our capacity. They're bigger than our ability. In our own devices, they should scare us. In our own capacity, they should terrify us. This coming year, we will have challenges that we will face. And they're actually, they will seem in the moment rather large. But part of what I have to do for you across the rest of this series is for you to put them into proper perspective. To understand that some of the changes and some of the moves and some of the actions and some of the, of the circumstances that we are going to challenge, these are actually only a part of a much larger plan. And when God, under his wisdom, guides me with how much of what he has shown me, I am to reveal to you, it will scare the snot out of you. And in that place, both individually and corporately, both for your own personal individual lives and for the life of this church of which I pray you are a part, God's plans and vision are always bigger than our abilities. So in the literal sense, when we see a man-eating beast and we feel that impulse as we receive the communication racing through our nervous system and telling us to run, in like fashion, when God begins to reveal plans and we begin to rightfully recognize the challenges, the actions, and the places that are beyond our capacity and beyond our ability, we have that normal instinctual response, which is run. Individually, you have a choice to make. But corporately, we have a choice to make too. Because you will run. It's just a question of which direction. Are you going to run away and be eaten from behind? Or are you going to run at and present the possibility for God to use you to kill the lion? You will run. There are lions. There are places. There are actions. And there are circumstances that are bigger than you. You cannot live a small enough life that the lions won't find you. You cannot live an incognito enough life that the devil will not seek you out. Again, you probably have this verse memorized in your head, but I draw your attention to it yet again. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 20, There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel, he did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. 
And then our focus. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion into a pit and killed it. This morning I preached to you that there are the hunters and they are the hunted. There is the prey and there is the hunter. And you're going to be one or the other. It starts out that you're the prey. The moment you are conceived and born within your mother's womb, you are the prey. Sin has already attached itself, dug its claws into you, and is attempting to squelch you. And in our world in which we live, some of those lives are in fact in jeopardy of being snuffed out. Sin is right there, crouching, ready to take its toll. You're the prey. You may not know it for a long time. In fact, as you grow up, you won't know it. You'll grow up and you, 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 know, you don't remember at one and two and three. You don't remember. But then slowly but surely, you begin to run into things. You begin to run into feelings. You begin to run into actions. You begin to run into circumstances. And you begin to realize that I don't have full control over this. And, and it may be a long time before it finally settles in. But somewhere in adult maturation, you're going to begin to realize that you do not have control of your life. So you segment it. You break it down into pieces. And you try to take control of this piece or that piece. If I can't control it all, at least I can control a portion. So maybe I control my job. Or maybe I control my education. And so we segment it, but then the other portions of life still rear their ugly heads. The teeth are still bared, and the lions still crouch and pounce and take control. As I challenge you this morning, there's a choice that you have to make. Are you going to stay in the place of the prey? Are you going to stay hunted? Or are you going to choose to do the unthinkable? Are you going to choose to do that which makes no sense? Are you going to choose to do that which is counterintuitive? And taking sin as an example, run straight at your sin. Stop hiding your sin. Call your sin out. Call it what it is. Stop minimizing it. Stop, stop, stop contextualizing it. Stop excusing it, but call it what it is. Call the addictions the addictions. Call the brokenness the brokenness. Call the bad that has happened to you. And all of these willingness, this choice to challenge your place, your, your actions and your circumstances that are not what they're supposed to be, that they're holding you back from what God has planned for your life. This is the first step of flipping the tables, if you will, of changing the narrative from a place of being the hunted and the prey to being the hunter. But even still, having flipped it and hunting, there's a problem, there's a doubt that resides in the backs of our minds. What if it doesn't work out? What if I don't succeed? Tonight, I want you to understand that the pit is the place of commitment 
the point of no return. And hence my title for tonight, The Pit of No Return. It's one thing to chase lions. It's another thing to chase them into a pit. Once you chase them into a pit, you've trapped them, but you've also trapped you. You want to kill a lion? You have to put your back against the wall. You really want to be what God has called you to be? Then you've got to Position yourself so that you no longer have any options but to fight. Now, this is not what our instincts tell us to do. Our instincts say run. Our instincts say get to a place where I have options. Our instincts say do not put me in a confined space with my lion. Do not make me face this straight on. But Benaiah, and again, it's a theme, it's a narrative, it's a metaphor. But Benaiah placed himself in a position of no compromise. Either the lion was going to kill him, or he was going to kill the lion. If you want to apprehend God's vision for your life, if you want to have God rescue you, you have to not just chase the lion, you've got to engage the lion so that you are in a position where there's no backing off. There's no plan B. There's no security net. Now please, let me emphasize again, my pastoral instincts are strong here. This is why you need to understand that you need to be following God's vision for your life, not your vision. Because you can put yourself into a situation where God is not going to rescue you. It's you who put yourself there, and he doesn't rescue you for your will. But when you submit yourself to God, and when you pursue only his will, I promise you, you cannot attain the will of God for your life without chasing lions, and you will not kill or overcome or vanquish those lions, those challenges, those circumstances, those places, and those actions in your life. You will not overcome them without positioning yourself so that there is no point of return. There is no ability to back up. There is no compromise. Either that lion dies or you die. Only one of you is coming out of that pit. See, you can get out of a pit. But you can't get out of a pit while there's a lion in it. I'm not going to tell you to go try it. Because you'll die. Because while you are working to overcome the constraints of the pit, the lion will drag you back down. You're running from the lion. The lion will claw you. The lion will bite you. The lion will pull you back down in. This is why instinctually, when we face things that we know are lions, we don't want to get into a pit. 
I've got to be honest with you. The crazy part of this story for me is not the snowy day. It's not the man. And it's not the lion. It's the pit. Man chasing lion? I can deal with that. Less than optimal circumstances, it's a snowy day, I can deal with that. But a guy who's going to chase a lion into a pit, that's crazy. Because once he took that leap, there was no turning it back. And when you jump in pits, you don't know what's going to happen. Now, for those of you that haven't already seen it, I'm going to ruin it a little bit, but it's still worth probably going to seeing. The reason these suit pants are hanging up here, can everybody see the hole in them? See my finger? Suit pants don't come with holes in them like this. I knew in my spirit, I fairly was humming on the plane back from Mexico. For that first service, I knew what God had placed in my heart, and I knew I was going to do something to physically illustrate. And I was. I was illustrating exactly what you saw within the video of a man backing up, of commitment, of running, of racing, of leaping, willing to go at it, willing to put everything on the line. And so I backed up, and the stage is all wrong, and so I came around, and I came around, and I did pretty good. I'm thinking about joining the Olympics long Long jump team. I made it all the way out to here. That's a pretty good jump from the platform. Let's talk about this. The moment my feet left this platform, there was no turning back. There was, there was no way to stop it. There was no way to control it. I might have landed it. I don't know if I'd have practiced it. But the point is, is that you don't get to practice jumps into pits. Now, I, I had much more grandiose ideas about what God was going to have me do by leaping off the platform. I landed. My ankle twisted. My knee went down. I went down hard enough, I burned a hole through the pants. My knee is scabbed up. My elbow that caught that chair, otherwise I'd have broke my father-in-law's leg, hurt. The next day I went into my chiropractor and I said, Sir, I need you to tune me up. I just got back from Cuba and the beds were horrible there. But that's not really the problem. I survived Cuba, but I didn't survive my first sermon back because I jumped off the platform. Twice this week, I went in to get my ankle worked on. I picked scab off my knee. I've massaged it. I've iced my ankle. My elbow hadn't been any problem. That one rebounded pretty good, so I'm glad for that. As soon as it was done and everybody... I tried to fake it and not let you know I'd burn a hole in my suit pant, but some of you weren't praying very often or praying very carefully. You were watching me, so you saw the hole in my pants. But the Lord started dealing with me in my spirit. 
If you think jumping in the pit is going to go according to plan, you're wrong. And if you've got to have it go according to plan, you'll never get in the pit. And you'll never slay a lion. You're never going to become what God has called you to be. And this church will never be what it's called to be. There's a risk that is taken when we jump into the pit. I would submit to you tonight that God began to become active in the heroic deed of Beniah attacking and chasing that lion into the pit. Not when he began to chase the lion. Not when he saw the lion. But when Beniah took the place of no return. When he leaped into that pit. When he had made the commitment. When there was no turning back. When there was no way to do anything except fight it out. It was either going to be the lion died or Beniah died. That's the point where God stepped in. That's the point where God says, I will rescue him. That's the point when the miraculous can occur because you have to add to your chasing commitment. Not just mental. Not just verbal. But positional. You literally have to take steps. You literally have to place yourself where you can't back out of it. I can't get ahead of myself into next week where I talk about specifically, and I'm going to. I haven't figured out how in the morning and how in the evening, but we'll be talking about specific things, big picture and specifics for this year, about things that we're going to do in realigning ourselves to fulfill the vision and the mission that God has given to us to make disciples of all. But you need to understand something. The greater the lion, the deeper the pit. You say, well, how do I know? That's why you better get a hold of God. That's why your flesh better not be involved in it. That's why your pride cannot be a part of it. Or you'll die. Now, the good news with metaphors is, is you can come back to life again. But you will die. You will fail. You won't slay the lion. And you'll have to wake up to the reality. Oops, that wasn't God, that was me. The good thing is, is that God has love, mercy, and grace for you. But it does matter. It's very important. If you have your person in this, if you have your agenda in this, you are going to have a lot of water to carry. Because God won't be helping you. You ever hear a church, and I'm going to be very bold to you to tell you this. You ever hear a church that says, man, the devil's just beating up on us. Well, what's happening? Well, we're just under such a financial crisis. Can I tell you something boldly? That financial crisis was created by a human. It was not created by God. Because God owns everything in this world. And financial crisis. I'm not talking about sacrifice. And I'm not talking about walking by faith. But I'm talking about financial crisis. is not created by God. It's created by us. 
This is not blab it and grab it. This is not being naming and claim it. This is not that God intends for you to be rich. But I know the psalmist, the one who said, the Lord rescued me. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen their seed, seen their seed begging bread. I use this as simply an example that you and I can set our sights on lions that are not God's vision. When I challenge you about the pit, when I tell you that you have to go for it with no reservation and you box yourself in so there's no way to get out of it, I'm telling you that you've got to know that it is from God. That's why I'm telling you right now, I don't have a foggy idea what I'm going to tell you next week. I don't know for sure what all I'm going to share with you because i got to get a hold of God this week and make sure that my flesh is not in it and make sure that my person is not in it because once I box myself in with it, it had better be God or it is coming to naught. But you'll never kill the lion without the pit. Let me give you an example. God will lead you and guide you in this as well. My father had an idea about starting a church. The Lord spoke to him. The Lord spoke to my mom. He worked a very good job at Hercules Incorporated, the headquarters of which was in downtown Wilmington. In fact, the building's still there, the Hercules building. It's a green glass building, Al Jocko built. So my dad's idea is, I'll just scale back on what my role is. He couldn't have kept the same role that he had at ABL in Cumberland, Maryland area. He couldn't have kept that. It was too demanding, too much, all those kinds of things. But maybe I can just, I can work just a, a reasonable job and make just enough for my family to live. And, 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 and that way, that made sense. I think I can say, and I, I haven't asked him ahead of time, so here we go. That wouldn't have been a pit. Because from there, if it didn't work out, it wouldn't have been hard to work hard and do his skills. And, and boom, he's back into just working in Wilmington for Hercules Incorporated. No, 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 no. God wanted a church built. My mother and my father do not have the capacity to build a church. To this day, they don't have the capacity to build a church. We need to be wise. I agree we need to be wise. Sometimes wisdom is God testing your commitment. Your willingness to lay it all on the line. There's no turning back. There's no way out of it. It's do or die. Let me give you another example. This week, Brother Keith and several other from a team here are going up to meet with some medical doctors to begin the process of him going onto a list with the ultimate goal being that he will then receive a heart transplant. There is no guarantee. That when he gets that heart, it will take. There is no guarantee 
that when they open him up and begin to work upon him, that he won't die on the table. There's no guarantee. But see, the reason Brother Keith is willing to do what he's about to do is because Brother Keith has very clear in his mind that if he doesn't go for the new heart, he's going to die anyway. Because his heart is dying. Those battery packs you see around his middle is a, the batteries that run an LVAD, a left ventricular assistive device. But those only last a certain amount of time. And in fact, the timeline of now is because the clock is ticking on that device. See, the problem is, is that some of you think you got more time than you do. And Newark UPC, definitely, as a corporate body, it is easy for us to think we have more time than we have. We've got our buildings. We've got surplus in the bank. Visitors are coming. But I'm here to tell you that if we don't do something, we are going to fall into the midst of our routine, and God will have to move on to someplace else in order to do his work. Is that an indictment of our past? No. It's a realization that there has to be a recalibration. There has to be a renewing that occurs within us. He can either renew it by new churches or he can renew it within us. Why not, Newark? Say, hey, the clock is ticking. We have to do something. We have to be following the leading of the Spirit so that all the other stuff that's right doesn't have to be recreated, but rather we are willing to have God tool us up and prepare us to do what it is that he needs to do now. Because if we don't, we're going to die anyway. If you don't fight your sin, it's going to eat you anyway. If you don't run after that challenge, you're going to die anyway. There's no safe zone. You're either hunting or you're being hunted. But the amazing thing for me is, is that God likes lion chasers. He backs them up. David tells it that he did it repeatedly. He went after one line and God bailed him out and he didn't take the wrong conclusion away from it. Huh? Whoo, that was scary. God, man, his breath smelled. Man, his teeth were sharp. Oh, my goodness, he, he kind of bit down a little. That hurt for a second, God, until you pried it open. Oh, my goodness, God, I, I thought he had me in that final club stroke. Man, you must have helped me there. Man, I'm never doing that again. See, some of you have run after lions before. Some of you have battled lions before, and it's freaked you out. You've drawn the wrong conclusion. You said, oh, that was so close. Oh, my goodness, I nearly failed. Oh, my goodness, it nearly fell apart. I'm never doing that again. You drew the wrong conclusion. Yes, it was close. Unless the Lord rescues you, you will die. But you didn't die. God was there. Run after the next lion. Go after the next one. Risk it all. Now we are timid enough as human beings 
We are timid enough as human beings that we'll never do it unless we box ourselves in. And that is the pit. Jesus met a rich young man. Came to Jesus and said, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. You know them. The young man said, I've done it all since I was a young man. Done it all since my youth. Jesus says, one thing thou lackest. Go sell all you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. A pit. A place of no return. A place of no compromise. In a couple of Wednesday nights, we're going to have an information session about small groups. Everybody here needs to understand something. We're not returning. As we walk forward, I'm burning bridges. We will not go back to the way it has been. Say, what if we don't like it? We'll figure it out. What if we twist our ankle? We'll go to the chiropractor. What if we blow out our knee in our suit? Well, we'll use the suit jacket, but the pants, they're only an illustration. We will face problems. I'm telling you, we will face problems. We will face challenges. Things will not go perfectly. We are not smart enough to know what that pit looks like. We are not smart enough to know how to handle that pit. But you got to understand something, that once you get from God what the vision is, you will not slay the lion unless you put yourself in the pit. You have to put yourself in the place of no compromise. You have to place yourself in that point of commitment, in that point of no return. This church began with small groups. By definition, the first group was three. My father, my mother, and I. That was it. That's about as small as you can get. I'm not even sure two people is a group. We started with a small group. As we grew, we still were in small groups. The thrust of growth that occurred, the thrust of ministry that occurred, the thrust of care that occurred, the thrust of fulfilling the mandate to make disciples of all, we phrased it different, but it was the same mandate, was done in small groups. Everything's screaming at me. You can't pull this off, preacher. Everything's screaming at me. You only got half the congregation behind you. Because only half of them will sign up to do it. It's amazing what will happen to a congregation when you stick them in a pit of no return. Some of you may sit on the sidelines for a little while until that lion rakes his claws across you. Some of you are going to sit on the sidelines for a little while until that lion bears his fangs at you. But eventually... Everybody inside of these 15 walls are going to get into lion fighting fashion because we are not getting out of that pit. 
say, preacher, what if it's not from God? Well, then you better pray. Because the crazy man, I'm not doing it again, my ankle will go. But the crazy man that ran off this platform and landed right where that gentleman with John is. That's the commitment. I told you, I took one year. I'm a fast thinker. I have spent one year examining this. One year. I've been measuring. The year of the plumb line ended on December 31st. God has some things for you personally. But you're never going to achieve them unless you put yourself in the pit. See, we always think the pit is punishment. No, sometimes the pit's incentive. Once Benaiah took that flying leap, landed in that pit, and now he and the lion are staring at one another. See, if the lion tries to get out of the pit, Benai's not going to let him. He's going to stab him. He's going to drag him back in. He's going to attack him. So see, the lion's in the same pickle that is in. Neither one are getting out of the pit. Only one's getting out alive. Some of you need to fight for your marriages. Put them in a pit. See, the reason that this lady and I are in the pit of our marriage? I know, you don't like that. That's not, that's not real romantic. You know why? Because we are not ever divorcing. Period. I'm not having sex with another woman. There's nobody that's better for me. That's it. So I better make do and make good with that one right there. I understand there's some ladies that are probably mad at me right now because that's just so unromantic. I'm, I got some bad news for you. Romance is for romance novels. <laughs> Marriage is hard work. Marriage is not candy. In fact, some of you need to knock off the candy. <laughs> Marriage is not romance. Marriage is a commitment. It is a choice, and i got to break some news to you. The next bloke down the road, he's got his own set of problems. Might not be the same one as the bloke you got now, but he'll have his own set of problems and his own issues, and you have to make up your mind. I'm not leaving this marriage. I'm not leaving this marriage. I'm not here to condemn you where marriage has been broken or you're dealing with that. That's not it. But please give me the liberty to speak to people. You will fix your marriage when you stop allowing yourself a compromised position. You will fix your marriage when you stop allowing yourself any point of return. When you just flat out say, this is it. It's either this or I die. It's either this or I fail. I don't know why I went to marriage. i got no idea. Great things in life, always, read all the stories, they always happen when someone has put everything on the line. There's no plan B. I don't know what it is. Something rises up in us humans. And I'm telling you tonight that something rises up in God when he finds a person who is willing 
place themselves in a position of no compromise. The direction that I'm going to give you, the vision that I'm going to share with you, the journey that we are in the midst, we're not about to begin it, we've already begun it. You just all probably didn't know we were on it. The journey that we're on as a church, there's no turning back from it. We will plant churches. We will grow. We will do our Father's bidding. We will make disciples or die trying. We're not going to play it safe. I'm not going to ride this congregation out into financial prosperity. I'm not going to do it. We corporately are not going to do it. You can desire to beat anything in life. But until you put yourself in the pit, it's the flip of a quarter whether it's going to happen or not. Some of you are struggling to be faithful to church. Let me tell you how it works. Don't stay home. Period. Y'all didn't expect me to get through six sermons without finally stepping on your toes, did you? Aren't there exceptions, Steve? Not really. Well, you never yell at us. No, I'm not. I'm yelling at you now. But it's not me. It's God. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. That's the word. Say, well, I got this and I got that. And, and you're the one that sets the service times. If you give yourself space to compromise, you will. If you give yourself space to compromise, you will. I don't know. I don't know what was going through Benaiah's head. Like I told you, the story doesn't tell us why he wanted to chase that line, why he felt he needed to chase that line. But I can tell you this. If he wasn't in the pit, there's a really good chance there'd come a point where he'd say, I'm tired of fighting this lion. And maybe he would have wounded the lion enough that the lion would have left him alone for the time being. And they both could have skulked off in either direction. But they would not have conquered. But when he jumped in the pit, when he took the flying leap, That's when there's no turning back. There's no compromise. We can get hijacked by all kinds of things. We can get hijacked by our relationships with people. I won't divorce this lady, but neither will I stop serving Jesus. She's got a pickle. She's either going to serve Jesus or she's going to hate me. By the way, I, I think I'm safe in saying it's the same on the flip side. 
We're all carnal. Can I tell you, I don't like to come to church every time we're having church. I don't. I'm like the little guy that was in his bed. His mother came into the room early in the morning and says, Son, you got to get up. No, I don't want to go. Son, you got to get up. Got to go. It's time for school. I don't want to go. The kids are mean. I don't like them. They make fun of me. Son, you got to get up and go. I'm not going. Finally, the mother pulls the blankets off of him and says, Son, get up right now. You have to go. You're the principal. There are days that I'm in my bed on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, and I'm like, God, I don't want to go. I won't go any further because some of you will get mad at me, but I say all kinds of things to him. You got to go. You're the pastor. Well, if I can come, so can you. If I can get up, so can you. If I can overcome the challenges, so can you. But you have to box yourself in. I'm kind of boxed in, aren't I, Brother Scott? If I don't show up, somebody ask something about it. There's a point of no return here. I, I have to come to church. I, I, there's no skipping out. Whenever I'm gone, everybody's like, where's Steve? Even when I tell you ahead of time where I am, you forget, and then you're like, where's Steve? He's been gone a long time. <laughs> Can I just tell you my three weeks wasn't as long as some of you? I'm being funny, but I'm also having you understand. You want to conquer lions, whatever they happen to be, whatever the challenges are, whether they're individual, meaning it has to do with you as an individual, they're not necessarily the corporate vision of the church, they're what God's doing in your own personal life, or whether they're the corporate, you want to conquer them, you have to make decisions that place you in a point of no return. There's no way to get out of it. Some of you are dealing with addictions. Put them in the open. I didn't say put them in the open to everybody. He said, put them in the open to enough people that you can't back away from it. You know why I preach the way I preach? Because by God's grace, I'm going to beat my sin. But if for some reason I don't, I have built my own pit where no matter how broken I am, you will not let me go to hell. Some of you need to start plotting against your flesh. Some of you need to start planning against your flesh. Some of you need to get really serious saying, hey, I'm going to lose anyway, so let's go for broke. Because the reality is, is that no matter how good your intentions are, if you don't put yourself in the pit, you'll change your mind. On chasing the lion. I don't care how great God moves. I don't care how anointed it is. I don't care how much he is able to touch your heart and your mind. Your flesh. The spirit may even still be willing. But your flesh is weak.
and you'll walk away from it. Some of you in your own lives, some of you with your job, some of you with your finances, you need to box yourself in. You need to make choices that lock you down. Now, I didn't say everything. It needs to be according to God's vision. Brother Keith, you can back out. We go up to those meetings this week, and you can still back out. But there's going to come a point of no return. There's going to come a point of no return. Everything's going to be on the line. By faith and confidence in my God, I believe that is going to be a day of amazing transformation. But you still are going to have to first put it on the line. This past week, I'm so excited to see Brother Scott this morning and back tonight. This week, I was in the hospital with his family. What was it, Tuesday? He was scared. I'm going to tell you that right now. He was scared. And I'm a crazy enough preacher that I don't sit there and say blandishments. Sorry. I told his daughter, yeah, he might die. She didn't want to hear that. I'm a bad preacher. I told you. But it was so exciting to me this morning. When he walked in, I said, how you doing? First of all, on Tuesday, and he's in church on Sunday, that was already I was excited about. But he tells me, my legs are changing. The blood flow's changing. The pain's changing. You don't get any gain. You don't kill a lion without a pit. Now, this is probably not the most fun part. The other three have been more fun than this one. But this is what makes it work. Because once, again, I'm sorry, I really want to run off the platform again, but I can't. I can afford to blow these pants too, but my ankle, I just think, isn't going to make it if I do it again. I can't even drop off. I'm really ticked. I want to just jump off, you know, my normal thing. But once, there's a point, there's a step where you won't have to worry about the pit anymore because you're in it. (laughs) There's no way to turn it around. There's no way to back it up. There's no way to do anything. Some of you are standing on the edge with Jesus. You're like, I really want to, but what happens if I do it? Do it. You'll never kill your lions until you do it. You'll never kill your lions until you do it. You have to take the boxing in of the pit. You have to put yourself in those close, tight quarters where there's no other option but to fight the lion. And that is the context for a lion killing. When you put yourself in that pit, when you take away any point of contact, of compromise, when you put yourself in the point of no return, that's the place where God goes, all right, now we're ready to do business. Now we're ready to do things. Now we're ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of Almighty God. Praise the name of Almighty God. I praise you and I worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. See, the pit, the pit is what constrains your flesh, not God. The pit is what stops your humanity, not God. The pit. God's not stopped by the pit. Just you are. And that's what he needs when you've placed yourself in the place of no return then God is able to do what he needs to do there's not just one pit in your life you're going to do it over and over again you're going to have to take steps you're going to have to take actions you're going to have to go places you're going to have to challenge circumstances that you don't have the capacity to deal with it's bigger than you. <laughs> but once you know it's from God and you place yourself in that pit, 
that you are in the hands of the Almighty. And my God does not fail. My God does not fail. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they would not bow. Oh, they had a lot of opportunities. They could have tried to stay away. They could have hid. They could have done all kinds of things. But that golden image went up. The music started. And as everybody knelt, I almost see their bodies doing this. But then a decision was made. The first few seconds, they could have backed out of it. But there came a moment where there was no return. The king saw them. The emissaries came to them. Now they're standing before the king. And then they spoke those words that boxed them in to no return. O king. We don't know, if you'll allow me to adapt it, whether he'll tame them or slay them. We don't know if he'll save us or let us burn. But understand, whether we live or we die, we will not bow. You want the Son of God to show up in your life? You want the power of the Almighty to be demonstrated in your life? Put yourself in the pit of no return. The worst that happens is you go to heaven. You need to understand this about me. I'm not going to any crazy place just because I want to go to a crazy place. But when God tells me to go someplace, you got to understand, I'm going. Because I refuse to be hunted. If I die, I die with my spear in hand and me running towards that lion, not away from it. I challenge you tonight. Run after your lions. Chase them. But don't just chase them. Chase them into a pit. Because in the pit, you have no choice but to fight. And God will show up. Can you love him one more time? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you love him right now? All across this place, can you love him right now? This isn't the moment of the pit. You're going to have to go to your own life. You're going to have to go to your home. But right now, you can love him for his word. You can thank him for his word. But you're going to have to make the choice come to, ha come to pass this week, next week, the following week. You're going to have to make choices that put you in the pit of no return. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I praise you and I magnify you, Lord Jesus. I magnify you and I worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in you. Thank you, Lord. God, help us. Help us. Help us. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you for your attendance. Thank you for your attention. Don't skip next week. Don't skip Wednesday either, but don't skip next week. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.